0: Hello and welcome to South Africa on 99.94. I'm Neil Anthorpe and uh, my co-host is Lungani Zama. In this episode, we're going to be talking about... Uh, it's still 10 days or so before the first Test match, but we're going to be talking about the Proteas in Australia. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a massive series. Just some background for those of you who don't know, a little bit of history. South Africa waited 98 years um, for their first series win in Australia before they finally achieved it in 2008. And then like London Buses, three came along in a row. They won again in 2012 and again in 2016. And um, I must say that uh, I didn't foresee any of them. I was full of optimism from the very first post-isolation tour to Australia in 1994. I, um, I went on all of them and, and every single time I said to myself, this time it'll be different, this time it'll be different. But I didn't see 2008 coming um, 2012 was a brilliant brilliant team so i must say that uh, having won in 2008 i thought 2012 i mean that was just they were the number one team in the world um so i shouldn't shouldn't have been surprised but uh, yeah they did it the hard way and then 2016 was the easiest um of the three series wins this time zams just like in the last episode i'm feeling i'm in a positive mood so the first question to you is um, just use your imagination, think out the box. How can South Africa win this time? Without a single batsman averaging over 38, which is Dean Elger's average, um, Kahisa Rabada's 250 test wickets. he is a proven, proven match winner. There's fantastic potential amongst the others. But I don't think anybody other than Kahisa Rabada would win Compete for a place in any any of the other test teams, England's test team or Australia's test team. So, how how can they win? Uh,
1: with with a fair bit of luck. Um, <laughs> I remember Glenn McGrath stepping on a ball on the eve of the Lord's on the morning of the Lord's Test match in the two thousand and five series, um, and that was you know a trigger um, to set England on their way. Um, it's going to need some luck because cheapest It's not so much that 11-on-11 11 11 South Africa can't compete. It's it's just how low the confidence reserves are at the moment. Um, and then you you look the other day and you see Manus Labuskachni or Labuschein, as they say on that side, is <laughs> rattling off double centuries. Steve Smith is in ominous form. They've just discovered some other guy who bowls 150-plus <laughs> – Everything points to a massacre. Um, it's an incredibly tough ask that they, they will have to bat unbelievably well.
0: Right. So basically, the way South Africa have been winning test matches in the last two years is by bowling teams out cheaply. um They haven't scored runs. In the sort of sufficient or the kind of quantities that you would normally associate with uh, test match winning performances, they've uh, haven't been. They've put four hundred on the board once again in the second test against uh, New Zealand, but they've only got a couple of hundreds um, in the last couple of years. So what they're going to have to do is bowl Australia out for two fifty or less, which, as you say, is hard to imagine. If you look at it, to bowl
1: to bowl that Australian batting card out for under three hundred on at least three occasions is whew, someone's gonna have to bowl really, really, really well. And and it's not as if they've got a problem facing pace. It's not as if they facing left arm is something that doesn't come naturally because they've got one of the best ones in the world in their team. Everything is stacked up against South Africa. It feels like we're back in the nineties when you're going there and you eyes closed and really hoping for the best. But, you know, people are going to wake up on Boxing Day in South Africa to 80 for six or Australia 320 for one kind of thing. There's a real sense of dread. Um, Yeah, someone is going to have to play out of their boots to have a prayer.
0: Well, a couple are going to have to. um, Actually, I'm going to ask you about, the. start with the top order, but first of all, we'll take a short break.
1: I'm Daniel Norcross. And I'm Rory Dollard. And between us, we are England Cricket on 99.94.
0: We'll be every week looking at the ups, the downs, the runners, the riders, the news and the views on all things English cricket.
1: And believe you me, there are plenty of ups and downs. Join us, England Cricket, on 99.94.
0: Right, you're talking about somebody having to play out of their boots. Um, I think three or four players are going to have to produce career defining performances i mean that's really the level that we're at we, we three or four players are going to have to have series like they've never imagined before, let alone ever produced so let's go with the top order dean elgar um i mean he's he's scored hundreds against Australia in australia so um we we need to put him down for a a three hundred and fifty run series <laughs> um Sada Lovia, and then who's going to bat three? Tienes de Brain or Heinrich Claassen? It's a bit too high for Claassen, for so it'd
1: have to be probably
0: de Brain because I,
1: I don't really see Rassi van der Dusen going that high up the order. Um, so it probably
0: would have to be Tienes de Brain. And there's nothing about his recent form to suggest that he can have a a Massive impact is there i mean they've they 've gone back to experience Keegan Peterson um, injured himself. Um, he was the incumbent number three, and you know n- promising he was man of the series against India without scoring a hundred um, so a promising start and he you know lots and lots of twenties and thirties, but nothing to scare australia 's bowling attack For those who missed it by the way, um, when Pat Cummins took his two hundredth test wicket, that became the first Test team in history to have um, four bowlers with over 200 test wickets. Uh, Mitchell Stark, Josh Hazelwood, Nathan Lyon, and uh, Pat Cummins. So um, that in itself is a daunting <laughs> prospect. So, um, yeah, I can't see Tienus De Brain making a massive impact. The, the, the man you just mentioned, Rassie von der Dersen, this is the time to deliver. I mean, the guy averages almost 70, averages 69 in one-day cricket. And that's a big sample size, you know. That's over thirty innings. He averages sixty nine. He's a quality, quality cricketer, but he's averaging thirty two in Test cricket. But I, I think he does have the quality to produce a career defining series. He does. And the other option,
1: before I get to Rusty, the other option at three would be to sort of defy convention and maybe use Aiden Markram at, at first drop um, for a long he's time. He's not I there. Said,
0: He's not there. He, he didn't make the squad. Remember, oh.
1: in my head, when I saw him make runs, I thought it's the last hurrah before he jumps on the plane. But of course, he's the fact that he's making runs is they all flew on Thursday. He's the frustration is that he's the one player that traditionally Australians have looked at and said he looks the classiest of the lot. I mean, yeah. there were yeah. comparisons that sort of said if ab de villiers and Jacques Cullis had a love child it probably would bat like Aidan markram because he, he he looks classy enough and he plays shots you saw that hundred that he made against them at, at kingsmead in 2018 it, it's that's what you need you know authoritative um strong minded and he's played against them he's 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 heard every sledge possible that warner and everyone else behind him at slip can chuck um there's, there's that, you know. So it is a bit galling when you look at it and say people who've played and done well against Australia have not been picked when you've got slim pickings. It's, it's horrendous, really, because as much as, as it's, it's, a, it's a physical confrontation on the field, Australia win most of their battles at home long before you face the ball, a bold one, because they've just got in your head and media and everywhere reminding you of, of how useless you are, what this person is going to do to you. Um, it's you know, it's an, an intimidating place. But at least if you've performed against them, you can draw on that and say, I once made 100 and shut them up for a session and a half batting with Quinny Decock at Kingsmead." No one outside of Dean Elgar, no one really has that in that team. And that's, you're asking a hell of a lot of, of, of Dean Elgar then to, to sort of show up everything that he has to as captain and then lead people through these seas that they've just never seen before. Um, it's, it's,
0: it's a hell of a lot. Okay, now we move on to Temba Bavuma, a man we've spoken a lot about um, in the last month or so as captain of the T20 team. Um, Herschel Gibbs has uh, been very forthright and uh, unforgiving in his tweets of late, you know, saying Temba Bavuma scored 152 test matches and that was five years ago. I have just been writing previews and, and looking back again. I've been a massive defender of, of Boomer's because if there are various indices that rate the difficulty of wickets, but you know uh, <clears throat> they're very difficult to, to follow, most of them. I, I've seen um, all of his test innings. I've been there, watched, seen it with my own eyes. And I can tell you categorically that the more difficult the pitch – the more awkward conditions, the more likely he is to score vital runs. And, you, you know, I, I mean, for 35 years, not only have I heard, but I've been saying hundreds win test matches. Well, actually, not always. Not on the really difficult spicy pitches, 60s and 70s. And he's scored 60s and 70s, which have won test matches. The trouble is there aren't going to be any spicy pitches in Australia, and he is going to have to score hundreds and he is going to have to change that record. He averages 34 after 52 test matches. He's got 100. That is is pretty damning. But, you know, the one time um, where South Africa did get a seriously spicy pitch was in um, Hobart in the, on the last series. And again, him and Quinton de Kock at a time when... To, I mean, they bowled Australia out for 85 in the first innings, but they were really under pressure in the second innings. Uh, there was a moment, uh, five down where South Africa, if they had collapsed in a heap, um, could have been under serious pressure and Australia could have fought their way back into that game. But again, Bavuma and Dekok put on 150 and and Bavuma made an excellent 70. And it's not the first time. In fact, he's done it lots. Um, And just the way that England are redefining test cricket, um, I'm I'm not advocating that batsmen go out there and be satisfied with 60 or 70, but... Bloody hell, you know, he has scored some seriously important runs. And here's the most important statistic, I think, is that in the last two years of Test cricket, never mind his career average being 34, um, in the last two two years, he's actually averaging closer to 45. Yeah, look, I I hear what you're
1: trying to say, Manus. Um, The problem is the words that you're using are, are, are based on survival and gritting it out and you know, overcoming adversity. And, and and you've you've answered yourself by saying they're not going to face any of those conditions in Australia now. They're <laughs> going to face absolute belting wickets with pace and bounce. Um, and, and it's not going to be a survival. If you're trying to survive, you might do 10 overs. The, the, words, the words that you want to speak about when you speak about your middle order batsman, your vice captain, are dominant, take the game away, you know, <laughs> Literally, when you walk to the crease, there's 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 an air of if we don't get him early, you know, the, the the best players that have done well in Australia from overseas teams, you look at a, a Lara, you look at a Michael Vaughan, had that incredible series, you look at, you know, <laughs> Virat Kohli, they walk out there and they take the game to Australia. If if you're not doing that, it doesn't feel like you're hurting them. So even if you actually make Jacques Cullis once made that long and slow 100 in Melbourne. Everyone else was falling around him. It. it was a great effort individually, but it didn't take the game away from Australia so that it wasn't too big a worry. It's not runs that hurt you. Uh, the, the stuff that scares Australia is when you're scoring the way, like you said, England was scoring in Royal Pendy the other day where we can't, we can't have a full session of this. And suddenly you can't have a day of this and they've scored 500. They can't lose. They can't lose, and that, uh, that's why they didn't. The only result really was in the balance when they took a gamble and said, we don't have enough time to, you know, so let's let's give them a, a carrot, which they might look at and say, we could chase that. And they did, and fortune does favor, favor the brave, and they, and they ended up winning that. But you've got to take the fight to them. When Markram made those runs, he took the fight to them. When Dumini made runs at Melbourne, he took the fight to them. You, you can't sit idly and just say, oh, I'll see off Cummins. Because Josh Hazel comes at you, oh, I'll see. It. I'll see off the pace. Nathan Lyon comes with four hundred plus wickets, like it's relentless. And then the bowlers come back for their second spell. Like it's, you, you can't think in that survival mode. And someone in there has to be brave enough, um, composed enough, to play their shots and and really take the fight to them. And I, I can't tell you who. You know, that's, that's why I was deluded enough to say Aiden Markham, even though he's not in the squad, because the one thing that he does. <laughs> is play his shots. That's one thing you know. You know, he might make a quick 20, but he's going to play his shots, and you look at it and go, Phew. if he plays for
0: two hours, we're going to be in trouble. I was looking back, as I said, through the previous series, and uh, the deciding test match in 2012 is an example of exactly what you were saying. I mean, you know, South Africa somehow managed to get to to the wacker That was the third test in 2012 level, somehow, and... Um, and then they were they were they were 80 odd for 5 managed with faf du Plessis playing his second test match to to make 225 which was good enough for a 62 run lead and nobody expected i mean you know I, again i was commentating for the abc which i will be again this this year uh, and i thought there was actually no chance and then with a 62 run lead I don't know if you recall whether you were watching it or not, because um, I was commentating on it. And Graham Smith and Hashim Amla scored 180 in a session. 180 runs in a session. Hashim Amla, to me, um, play, that was, uh, you know, of uh, the course there's the three, 311 not out. Um, but he was playing shot. He was toying with the Australian bowlers. I mean, he was stepping outside off stump and flicking length deliveries over mid wicket. And then he was stepping outside leg stump and, and carving them over extra cover. Uh, And that was the kind of counterattack. And South Africa made over 500 um, and won by, by 300 to annihilate Australia. And as Fafdou Blassie said in his book, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, there's nothing a bully hates more than being bullied. And, and you look at this, South African team, and you think who can do the bullying, who can bully the bullies yeah I literally took the words out of my mouth
1: it, 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 Hashim and, and and Graham bullied them for a session, and it doesn't matter how strong you are and how how deep your bowling reserves go when every single guy you throw the ball at disappears it you know it, it doesn't just shake you it it, it 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 forces you to take a step back and and, and sort of question your own approach, and they just never recovered, you know. They just never recovered. A bully thrives when you're the one taking the backward step, but when you stand up and push back and keep pushing back, it's, you know, they often don't know how to react, and, 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 and if anything, they go further into their shell than, than you ever would because they just don't know how, they're not, you know, you look at Dave Warner, he's not, he's not equipped to deal with people coming at him that confrontationally. Um, and generally, he wins the confrontations because people just don't do that. But when you do it back, you know, it, it, it shocks them. So, if you look at that South African top order again, phew, there's no Quinny de Kock in there. There's no Markram in there. There's, you know, Fuff in his own way was confrontational, just body language, yeah. <laughs> you know, nothing else. Like, yes, I'm, I've got a mint while I make 100, so what? You know, that... That offends people, but there's, there's a lot of nice guys in that South African top order. Um but nice guys don't necessarily take on bullies. They just they they you know, they they're nice guys. Someone's gonna have a are gonna have to have a bit of mongrel and you know, even sledge them, you know, ahead. You know c I, I I can't say I can't say who. Rusty van der Dusen maybe. You know, but he's also been injured for the last while, so he hasn't really had much time you're going to have to have the, the series of his life really,
0: really the series of his life like you said you were thinking of Saro Levere, weren't you he is, he is just far too much of a gentleman to go and open the batting in Australia oh yeah,
1: yeah. I mean we used to play club cricket with him there'd be 10 guys sledging you and Saro quietly standing at the gully just looking down because it's just <laughs> not in his nature it's just not in his nature you know, he'll talk with the bats, but he's not, never, ever going to get into a confrontation. It's just not him, you know. So why would he start boxing the MCG
0: with 90,000 Australians screaming their heads off? It's just very unlikely. It is. We'll take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the middle order and the bowlers. I'm Jared Kimber and I host two podcasts on 99.94. Red Inca, which is chats on trends and stories within the game with a weekly Q&A where I can be asked about anything from a time-travelling Don Bradman to which cricket ground serves the best food. And Double Century, a look at the historical stories that make cricket what it is today. You can search for either of them in your favourite podcast platform or on the 99.94 DM app. All right, uh, Zams, we've been talking about uh, players having career-defining series. Marco Jansen. Um, has made an astonishing start to his test career, really. Um, you know, he is batting probably a place too high at number seven. I presume that he will bat at seven again. That's if uh, the wicketkeeper Kyle Verena bats at, at number six. Um, I don't know whether you agree with that. Verena six, Jansen seven, uh, Keshav Maharaj eight, or Simon Harmer. You know, I, I get Simon Harmer just in the second round of uh, four-day cricket Um, a couple of weeks ago took 14 wickets again he does it all the time for Essex Uh, but Dean Elgar has said over and over again Keshov is my number one and uh, you know that's like non-negotiable absolutely de facto. he is my number one spinner and um, he has complete and total faith in him I wonder whether that might be revisited I mean Harmer is a prolific wicket taker and has been for 10 years uh, whoever he's playing for Um, and then Anrich Norkia could have a massive, massive impact in Australia. He's going to enjoy the pace of those pitches. Um, he had a fabulous um, T20 World Cup. I don't know how much relevance that is, but it was in Australia. And then I think a lot will depend on also the fitness of uh, Lungi and Gidi.
1: Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of potential in that second half of the South African team, but there's obviously a lot of inexperience, um, particularly test experience in Australia did almost single handedly win um that certainly that test when Steyn broke down m- midway through you know he bowled out of was put still remember the ball he ball to uzman Kawaja unbelievable um <laughs> so you know that there's potential for sure but you you need your 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 bowling attack to be you know in in unison um you can't have Rabada going for nothing and Nokia flying at eight nine and over because the pressure gets released um to answer your cash question, he has proven himself in all conditions all around the world and uh, there's more than just loyalty there's 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 a trust there which has been developed and you know he's one of the leaders in that team um so i, I would suspect barring injury um the only way that harma gets into that team is playing alongside cash in sydney um that's just it's just the way it is. Uh, it's Cash is probably a bit more trusted with the bat as well, um, and he's he, he, he's he's a lot less attacking. He's somewhere in between what Paul Harris gave and 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 what maybe Claude Henderson did. Um, he, he can just tie up an end, and he's happy to play boring cricket. Whereas Harmer takes a lot of wickets because he's aggressive. He, he, he bowls with the mentality of a fast bowler, but if if, if if you're attacking and it's not coming off, you know it's kind of the problem that we had with Imran Tahir all those years ago when they're trying to make him a Test cricketer because he had wicket-taking potential. When it goes wrong, you just travel for a lot of runs, and a captain doesn't know what to do with you because you've only got one mindset: I need to take wickets. Cash can bowl 60 overs and just be happy to concede 100 runs. Palmer feels the need that he's got to take wickets in order to be effective, and then, and maybe that's. They feel that they've got enough attacking impetus with all the pace bowling options that they have that if Keshe doesn't take wickets, he's still effective. I don't think Simon Harmer would consider himself effective if he's not striking.
0: So in the great tradition of uh, Australian left-arm fast bowlers, Mitch Johnson, Mitchell Stark, um, it's a great tradition, I've named two. But Marco Jansen is, uh, for those... Who might be watching or listening to this? Who aren't familiar with him? Um, he's six foot eight, uh, over over two meters in in modern money, and my goodness me, he gets bounce. I mean, he you know I'm, he would have got bounce in Royal Pindi, I reckon, but um, at the Gabba, and certainly at the MCG on those drop in pitches, he he could play a big. If you know if South Africa can can. Score three hundred. Um, I think he could really, really be a handful, even for Labuschagne and Smith. Well, they, they have to score
1: three hundred as a minimum because Labuschagne and Smith will score three hundred between themselves. <laughs> so, to have any chance in the game, you do have to score and start at three hundred. But yeah, you know, we, we spoke about a South African who's got that confrontational. Nature about him. If you think about it, outside of Ghis or Rabada, Marco Janssen, when when he played against India and, and he kept on consistently having a go at Bumra and anyone else who wanted to have a word, he's not shy. He's definitely not going to shirk. The, um, he is off the field. Well, white line fever, whatever you want to call it, you can be a nice guy off the field. That's that's great. You know, Floyd Mayweather's a nice guy away from the ring, but <laughs> everything in between, you know, he's an absolute. Prick to the eye, but that that's great because he riles up the opposition and then he gets and, and does his job done. So you do need to have that mongrel, and and the one thing that we can all agree on is Marco Jansen has that. We said the South African team lost something when they dropped him in, in in England because he 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 had played very well in the first test at Lords, and and they lost something and they never got it back when he wasn't playing in the second one. So I. Yeah, you look forward to seeing what he does in Australia in, in, in not just on those pitches, but in that den of forty, fifty thousand 50,000 people every day because that takes some getting used to. You don't get that in South Africa. He's just come from playing in front of 10 people. He's had a bit of it in the IPL, but that's just a party. There's that constant noise. Here, it's very personally centered around you as you pop up on the big screen. People boo you, start having a word and... You know, they zoom into your face. People boo you. You go down to fine leg, and you know people call you all sorts. It's going to be an interesting challenge, but I'm sure you're looking it forward. To.
0: Yeah, um, no doubt. There's no question about that. Um, there's only three of the of this current squad who've actually toured Australia before. Um, the captain Dean Elgar's been on two tours. Um, Temba Bavuma, Keshav Maharaj. Oh no, four. Sorry, Ankechiso Rabada. Yeah. There's four. Yeah, four of them. Um, and hopefully they will be able to pass on that experience. Uh, anyway, I'll be there um, and I'll be talking to uh, to you on an ongoing basis and uh, we'll be hopefully uh, podding at least twice a week. Thanks for listening to South Africa on 99.94, where we speak cricket every day. Please rate, review and subscribe wherever uh, you enjoy your podcasts. It certainly uh, gives us... A welcome boost. Um, You can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter at Neil Manthorpe and at Whamzam17. So never miss out. Join our 24-7 conversation on social media and follow us at 9994 DM. Cricket every day, your way.